Welcome to Integrate Yourself, everybody. I'm your host, Allison Polo, and you can find me at pureenergypdx.com. I'm a certified personal trainer and nutrition coach, and I want to share with you creative ways you can integrate all aspects of health into your life and teach you how to become your own authority when it comes to your health and wellness. So before we get started with the show, I wanted to announce that I am taking two more clients for the fall for my online program. So if you are interested in doing that with me and taking that journey and really building a healthy, healthy foundation for your nutrition and for your fitness, and this will be the foundation that you can build anything else on. So this is the purpose, and this is why I want to really share this with all my clients and teach people how to do this. Because once you build a foundation of resilience in your body and strength, then you can pretty much deal with just about anything, you, anything that comes your way, stress-wise. Plus, you have the tools to uh, get back into a state of balance with your hormones, with your sleep, with your energy, um, and all of that very quickly with the tools that I teach you in this coaching program. So uh, the coaching program is going to help you really build the vibrant body that you really want to be in, that you love being in. And that's what I'm sharing with all of you uh, and how to do that. And right now I have it to where we're doing this on uh, as one-on-one coaching sessions and I have two online self-study courses that you can take. One is all about nutrition and one is all about building your fitness foundation. And I give you all the tools you need to build a movement practice that you can do every day as well as uh, build a nutrition practice that helps you nourish your body and really get to the root of what you're needing to uh, to to really to really thrive, you know, to thrive and feel good in your body, wake up feeling good, wake up ready to start the day, wake up with so much energy and excitement and joy uh, for your life and, and to, you know, get started and, and, and really to do the things that you really love doing. Because if we're not, if we're in a body that we don't feel good in, and we don't either feel comfortable in it or we're in pain a lot of the time, then it really makes it hard to do everything else in life. It makes it hard to enjoy life. So this is what I really want to help you with. So if you are curious about it and you'd like to know more, go to pureenergypdx.com and set up a free coaching call with me today and we can talk about what you're struggling with, any questions you may have, and uh, I can help you create a plan to get started and to build that foundation of health and wellness so that you can do what you love to do and create the body that you love being in. Today, we're going to explore relationships. We're going to be talking all about relationships with others and how that relates to yourself codependency, how we can learn and reflect ourselves back from relationships, uh, within our relationships uh, with others, how we can see parts of ourselves there and uh, navigate that as well as uh, representing yourself authentically and the pitfalls of fitting in. So we talk about all these subjects and so much more with today with my guest, Jator Pierre. Jator has been in the practice of transforming lives since 1999. Using a vast toolbox of modalities to bring about lasting change, his work primarily focuses on emotional trauma, autoimmune issues, digestive disorders, chronic stress, and chronic pain. He is passionate about seeing the bigger picture and how that trickles down to the underlying mechanisms which lead to pathology, disease, and symptoms. His purpose is to help people examine and understand not only how the body functions, but how each physical symptom correlates to and is expressive of underlying mental, emotional, and behavioral patterns. Jator works globally through Skype and in person in Denmark and at his home in Denmark, and his clientele is usually searching for answers after working with many other healthcare professionals. In addition to that, Jator is a level four Czech practitioner and he teaches for the Czech Institute. He's also a level, level three holistic 
nutrition and lifestyle holistic coach for the Czech Institute. And he is a mentor for the Chris Kresser Institute as well. He got a lot of his training in the emotional coaching realm through the Holistic Coaching Institute uh, with John McMullen and Journeys of Wisdom. And that's also actually where I met him too uh, first. I don't remember it was if it was there, the Czech Institute. It might have been Journeys of Wisdom. But years ago, I think we took a class together and that's how we first met. So um, we have been friends ever since. And since then, he's moved to Denmark. So he's been there for a couple of years and that's where our conversation started. Um, since we hadn't really caught up in a long time, we just started talking and I didn't do a formal introduction on this. So I want to give you guys a little bit of context and he was filling me in on how he got to Denmark in the first place and how he, how he ended up moving there. So that's where the conversation begins and then we get into some deeper aspects of relationships from there. You know, Jator is an amazing coach, and I really have the utmost respect and admiration for him. Um, and he is a dear friend as well. So it is my pleasure and my honor to introduce you to Jator Pierre. Enjoy. After the retreat, I had a few days to hang out in Copenhagen and as you know, I travel a lot for, for work, the Czech Institute, blah, blah, blah. And I was walking around Copenhagen looking for some good coffee. And uh, I stopped in my tracks. I was looking around. And I thought, wow, I feel like I'm home. Wow. And I didn't want to come back. I didn't, and I always want to go back home. It's, I, I love what home represents to me. At least I thought I did. <laughs> And in that moment, I decided to move. That's cool. Yeah. So I came back to the States and two months later, I hopped on a plane, packed up my stuff and moved to Denmark. So it was literally a feeling of wow. I feel home and, and, and then I jumped in. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt like when I moved to Portland, that's exactly, and it just happened within months. Of mm. after deciding yeah that's really that's awesome it it means like that was definitely it sounds like to me it was definitely in alignment with what you were wanting that's and um and so you just like found opportunity and opportunity to play hockey out there or was that something you'd been wanting to do and are you are you like getting paid to play or is what's the deal out there yeah, I'm getting paid um, to coach. Oh wow! Um, and also to play, and uh, it's yeah, it's phenomenal. That's awesome! Oh my god! Huh. Yeah, and and then for whatever reason, uh, like I would run a, a class in San Francisco, my own class, and then maybe I'd get. 10 to 15 people in, which is, yeah. I think, legitimate. Yeah. Um, but I have a class here, as an example, I have a class here September 7th, and we're pushing over 50 people. Whoa. That's and, amazing. And my clientele is exploded here. And um, wow. for whatever reason, what I share seems to land very well here. And so business is good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my life is good. Uh, comparatively speaking, cost of living here, at least for me, coming from San Francisco, is is cheap. Yeah. Wow. Really. So, yeah. Well, the the apartment I have here, I pay ten thousand kroner a month, which is about fifteen hundred a month. Mm -hmm. This same apartment in San Francisco would be around six thousand a month. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, so the difference for me is astronomical. Um, yeah. Standard of living here is much higher for everyone. And uh, my money goes a lot farther. And I don't have to live with roommates. And, um, and it just feels much more, I feel much more 
it's very strange to say, but I feel much more home here than when I go home. And I don't, I don't really know how to, to wrap anything around that one. It's a very interesting um, perspective that I have now. Like when I'm here, I, I don't want to come back to the States. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> sounds per, it sounds per, really great. It sounds like it's perfect for you. Yeah, yeah it definitely yeah. is so far. Hmm. All my ego needs are being met. That's, that's so amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. I love ego needs being met. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing that work kind of work too. Um, so yeah. Okay. So I guess the other question I wanted to ask you and we'll get right into everything because I know you're short on time. Um, uh, last time I talked to you and I feel like this was possibly two years ago, you were going through something, <laughs> but I didn't really ever get any information on what was happening. It seemed pretty serious. Mm. Um, did that have anything to do with uh, uh, the mental health aspect of kind of what you're teaching people now or what? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, two years ago, what would I have been going through? Um, yeah, I think that uh, what comes up for me is um, around that time, uh, I had been in a um, relationship uh, for a very long time that was, um, let's say, uh, exquisitely beautiful in many respects and also exquisitely painful mm. uh, in many other ways. And going through that relationship, and I'm not at all in any way, shape, or form blaming her. Uh, it was a co-creative situation. I think we... Uh, both at times brought out the worst in each other and at times also brought out the best in each other and uh, got to a point of recognizing at least in some level that uh, it was time for us to go our separate ways uh, respectfully. Mm. Um, and I learned a lot in that process about myself. And I think it's been a continuation of the work that I've been doing for years, just like you have in self-exploration and, um, and yeah, exploring all of the different intricacies of what makes me me and who I think I am and why I do what I do. And that relationship, <clears throat> uh, because there was so much, uh, at least in my experience, so much pain uh, and also so much, in all honesty, shame and fear uh, of how I acted, who I was, uh, my reactive behaviors. Um, I think even to the point of uh, disrespecting myself in some way within that relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, and looking back at many of the behaviors and actions that I took, uh, I really had to start to sit with myself and with my own coach and really start to get clear on out of these behaviors that I continue to proliferate in my life, um, what part of me is being served through them? Mm. Uh, are they still necessary? Uh, are they still necessary for that part? And to do a lot of work with those parts of Jatur, uh, I'll be really honest right now that I think in some sense where it was still uh, very angry at um, my experience of my mother at different times in my life and taking that unresolved anger about what I made my mom and projecting it onto women that I would be involved with. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that's a powerful insight for me. It was, and uh, it's still a learning process for me. It's still, um, I don't think this work for me is ever done. Uh, and yeah, it's through that process. There was a, as you know, you know, Lee. Oh yeah. Um, uh, so I'm going to give this some context. I've been doing, you know, meditation, self-exploration since I was 24. I'm 42 now. And, 
out of all of those things that I've done throughout my whole life, Vipassana, Journeys of Wisdom, my friendship with JP, uh, the Czech Institute, lots of good lessons. Mm. And I think lots of good perspective and lots of good tools. And still to this day, there's a moment where Lee and I were texting back and forth. And this is in some regard to some of the stuff that was going on between uh, my past dance partner and I. And I was beating myself up and Lee sends me this text back and it says, uh, would you be willing to be kind to my friend? Hmm. And that for me <laughs> was one of the most profound statements I've ever heard because it really, in that moment, what that meant to me was it was a friend of mine watching me beat myself up. Also, uh, watching me expose all of the things that I seen that I had done and participated in and my piece in it and the, the accentuate amount of shame and guilt and fear that I was ingesting and, and placing on myself. Hmm. And in all of that, exposing some of my most heinous acts to a person that I, I care about uh, for me, is a lot of vulnerability and also very scary to do. And to do that and to express these, these things about myself that I, I wouldn't want to express to anyone. And to have that person then send me a text saying, would you be willing to be kind to my friend was such a, it, honestly, it was like a, it was a moment of God. It was, if I was, ima if I was to imagine myself walking into a room with God, whatever that is, a light bulb, I don't know. But as a, as a, as a theme, the, the light bulb represents something that will never, ever, ever turn its back on you, no matter what yeah. you've yeah. done, no matter what you've done, no matter how bad you think it is, no matter how much shame you feel about it, no matter how much fear you have about it, no matter how heinous it is, that this entity or this light would never turn its back and no matter what, it would fully accept you. And not this, I'm gonna, can I curse? Yeah. yeah. Not this bullshit <laughs> acceptance. Like I'm yes. just saying I'm accepting you and, you know, sweeping my real fucking feelings <laughs> in the carpet. Right, But right. legitimate, authentic acceptance because mm. it's God. And so when I put myself in that scenario, what comes up for me very often, it doesn't come up for me so much right now, although it's coming up a little bit. What comes up for me in that scenario is there's a sense inside of me that I, I have to turn away from that. Yeah. It's almost like it's, it's too kind. It's too <laughs> gentle. It doesn't make any sense to my head at all, for sure it probably makes complete sense to my heart and to the parts of me that still hold shame and fear uh, about myself in that light, in that presence, there's, I can feel this shy away. Mm -hmm. how, how could you accept all of that? So that text that I got from Lee represented that to me mm. and it's where these tattoos came oh, from. Yes. I love it. Be kind. Uh, and they're directed toward me. My tattoos are directed toward me. And it's, or it was a, it's a constant reminder when I'm being self-critical, mm. when I'm being hard on myself, when I'm being judgmental, when I'm being critical of the outside world, when I'm being judgmental of the outside world, when I'm getting lost in, in that, which is necessary for parts of me, I also am a big believer of balance being this dynamic state, not this static state. So it's, it's a way that I help myself in the periphery remember that moment, which is to be kind to myself, be kind to the part of me that is being critical, hmm. uh, that is being judgmental, and to be kind to myself through that, to start to give myself more of what that light bulb 
uh, would give me. Because if I can, at least from my perspective, if I can authentically give that to myself more and more, and when I say by authentically, is I'll also give voice to the part of me that needs to shy away. For me, that's very, there's a part of me that can accept that and be that light bulb. And as I do both, the one that needs to shy away over time becomes less and less and less. Mm-hmm. I think there'll always be a, a thread of that there. And I think that's also necessary. Um, so yeah, that's my light bulb story. I love that. I love that because, uh, yeah, it's the light bulb reminds me of uh, just like that unconditional support and love that's always there, like that true, authentic, like you're saying, uh, and something that is going to just call you out on your bullshit, right? It's, mm. you might not want, <laughs> but you're like, wait, <laughs> this, <laughs> you know, it, it, it makes you question if the, the criticism and the judgments that you're putting on yourself is really true. Right. Uh, yeah. So, and then of course it, it brings you in, in, this is, I guess for me, it brings me into more of a practice of self love because it is a practice, especially if we've been doing the self criticism and overly judging ourselves and being a little too perfectionistic for, for a long time. Right. Mm. So, for me, I, I have gone through a process of just practicing that, you know, and, and like you said, it, and eventually it gets lighter and lighter and the shying away part is like wanting attention. Right. Mm. So now we're, we're getting more comfortable with it. Right. I love that. I also, I, th- I think I heard you say somewhere in there too, that maybe one of the pieces of why that part can stop shying away, um, at least in my experience of you um, and the work that you've done and the work that I do is, is like maybe over time that part can start to stop shying away because it's being acknowledged. And what I mean by that is I am not, I'm definitely not a person that's going to say, well, yeah, I fully accept myself and I fully love myself and it's all perfect in here. It's not. It's perfect in the sense of God perfect. But to my ego parts, uh, there's a part of me that still carries shame and fear or apprehension or rage or anger. And for me, I think part of my journey has been almost uh, in a a nice big circle now at at 42. has been that those other feelings on the spectrum that many of us frame as negative, uh, well, I think at this point in my life, I disagree. I don't think that they're negative feelings. I think that they're simply feelings uh, and sensations and emotions that need to be felt and need to be acknowledged and also need to be accepted like anyone else would, any other feeling would. And for me, that is what in part starts to authentically create this lessening of the shying away and more of the exposure because if those parts of you, the parts of you that are ashamed, the parts of you that are afraid, the parts of you that are full of rage and anger and whatever else you want to frame under negative. If those parts start to notice that you're willing to hear them, acknowledge, accept them and let them have a voice, that is a game changer. And (laughs) yeah, it is. and, (laughs) And there's something that I've been noticing in myself lately, which isn't easy to say, it's not easy to be in the presence of, I'm not saying it's easy for me, but I really enjoy people's rawness. Mm. Uh, When people are raw and opinionated and, and reactive, there's something I really appreciate about that. 
Yeah. It's so, in part, it's so much more honest and it's so less uh, politically correct or spiritually correct, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> and these, you know, symbols of spirituality that many of us have been exposed to, let's just use Buddha and Jesus, Dalai Lama, etc. Dalai is still alive. So we'll use Buddhist and Buddha <laughs> and Jesus. And I find it fascinating how we project softness and perfection and no reactivity and always yeah. mindful. And that just puts these people up on these pedestals in which right. you can never achieve. Yeah. It's like, why can't we embody Kali? You know, the goddess Kali. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's the goddess can. of destruction, right? We got to destroy yeah. some things sometimes, right? We have to just get ourselves out there. Like, because if you suppress, uh, it's going to come out eventually in some weird way or another. You might as well just express it healthily and, you know, just, um, I would say embody it for a bit and just feel it. I think feeling it is like one of the most important things, right? I 100% agree with that. And I 100% agree with uh, Dolly or these other other you know, um, archetypes or mythos of expression or story. I think it's one reason why I'm into comic books. They give me a place to see a lot of expression and, and to allow myself to see myself in these characters and see, wow, where am I holding that part of me back? Where am I expressing that part of me? Where am I inhibiting myself? Where am I still walking on eggshells around certain people because I don't want them to know what I really think. And right. I think at this point in my life and what's gone on over the last five years in my life, I was chatting with a friend yesterday and one of the realizations for me at least has been when I look back through my life, right? 42 years on this planet. And I look at, the amount of time I have spent contorting, hiding, fitting in, uh, manipulating myself, when I look at that, and then I look at <laughs> generally my relationships, right. I think, well, it didn't fucking work anyways. <laughs> I did all that right. hiding, contorting, Dancing when people told me to dance, eating when people told me to eat, drinking when people told me to drink, putting on the best you know face I could, wearing the best mask, being the best boyfriend. I thought, you know what? That doesn't work anyway. <laughs> so I'm just going to start being more and more and more raw. Yeah. And, and it's, it sparked something, Allison. It, it oh, sparked. Man. It sparked this, this lion that I've had in me for a very long time that I lost when I was a kid. Uh, and I think actually I lost that lion, interestingly enough, when I started to do self-work. Oh, you know, that is so interesting that you, that you say that because, you know, that, that is the question, right? Because when we that part of ourself that you that you lost and that a lot of us lose at some point in our childhood is the part that everybody wants to see ironically you know <laughs> so why do we think we have to hide that part of ourselves and then again and then then with self help like or self help work i feel like i've gone through this a very similar experience of trying to bring the perfectionist parts of me into the self help world and trying to do it all perfect and come to this like point in my life where I've ha I have it all together, which I didn't even think that, that I know that doesn't exist. You know, like we're always like, I kind of find the joy in the, in the work now and learning more about myself and exposing more of what you describe as the lion, um, those parts that have been suppressing and hiding for so long. But Jator, what do you think it, why do you think we hide or what is your experience of why you've mm. hidden that for so long? Like, and, and also why you felt like the self-help world kind of made it, made you suppress it worse in some ways, I guess. 
Yeah, I love that. I love this. I love this topic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so from the self-help place, um, a couple interesting things immediately come up for me, at least my own personal experience of it, is that in my own personal experience of when I started to do uh, meditation and self-help when I was 24, uh, I think a part of me was getting into it from the perspective, and I think this actually happens for a lot of people, um, from the perspective of something's wrong with me, hmm. which immediately already is indicating that some aspect of me feels a sense of shame and fear about who I am, so I need to change it by doing self-help. I need to help. I need to actually discount this part by helping these other parts and turn my back on who parts of me really are and so through that process and through the process interestingly of becoming a coach what started to happen to me at least as I'm kind of reflecting on it is who I am as a coach and who I am in the self-help world started to become who I am in my life Hmm. So one of, I think, one of the pillars of coaches, I think really good coaches, one of the pillars of a really good coach is they're exquisitely well-versed at minimizing defensiveness mm-hmm. through the use of questions and being mm-hmm. maybe agenda-less as one can be. Okay, so cool. Works beautifully in, in the coaching model, works beautifully with my clients. Of course, when I'm working with a client, I personally don't want to be agenda driven. Uh, I don't want to tell my clients how it is. I don't want to actually be very opinionated very often. And it's about them finding their own way. The paradox of that is that is who I became in all other aspects of my life. (laughs) And that lion, the lion in me that uh, grew up Uh, back in the Bay Area and uh, is opinionated and, um, you know, likes to drive cars fast and likes muscle cars and and likes rap music and Eminem is his favorite uh, artist. And that part of me was still there, but my language and my navigating of life and everyone inside of it, I started to navigate it like a coach, not that I was coaching. Mm -hmm but I started to navigate life as if I was always in a coaching room. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's minimize defensiveness. Let's ask lots of questions. Let's not have lots of opinions. And that put out a fire. And on the tail end of this now, that fire got stoked <laughs> here in Denmark. <laughs> because of some very interesting situations. But that fire being stoked now is very purposeful when I look back because for me, a very interesting perspective is at times I have to get lost to refine myself. So going through uh, losing parts of myself through self-help, becoming a coach was extremely necessary to, for me to learn all of these different tools, perspectives, ideas, considerations, find my own philosophy to hone that, to practice it, to be it, to have this exquisite toolbox and to lose myself in that, to find now this spark of fire and passion. And this, this, I always get this image of this, like this big lion with this huge mane and he's, he's been asleep, you know, um, for the last few years and someone came and poked him. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So now he, picks his head up and I have this this gif that's this big lion head and, and it's cold out and the lion is just breathing and there's just like you just see the air coming out so now that part of me that I lost is re-sparked but now instead of funneling through a 24 year old that doesn't know how to use that functionally now that he's being funneled through a 42 year old who has the tools to take that fire and then express it in life with a ton of focus and passion mm. and respectfulness and kindness. 
Yeah. That is, and I wanted to pull it all the way around because I think it's really important that I'm not saying I took the wrong path. I'm not saying that people shouldn't do self-help. I'm not saying that you shouldn't get lost. I am saying you will get lost Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you will get found and you will get lost again and you will get found and you will get lost again. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's, that describes it beautifully right there. (laughs) And, 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 and as you know, you know, from the, the, our childhood stuff, well, not many of us were accepted and I like that word better than love, accepted mm. for who we wanted to be within the family. Even if we were in families that accepted us, let's just say 50%. Okay, your kid though, this is the piece that people often forget, which blows my mind, is you're a kid. And people forget often what it's like to be a kid. So some of the things that I've done in my life to remind myself what it's like to be a kid is I've gone and played with kids. I've gone and volunteered at kindergartens and preschools to be around kids for my own social experiment. Also, I enjoy kids. But the purpose of me going there was to to also be very observant about how kids navigate and feel in life. Hmm. And we often forget that. So we think, oh, yeah, well, my parents accepted me. They were very accepting of who I was. Let's just say tops 50%. That other 50% that was experience and perception all made up through your own mind anyway on both (laughs) sides of that um, comes with a tremendous amount of weight because Mm -hmm. you're a kid. And your parents and adults around you are effing superheroes. Yes. You don't see them like we see each other now. It's like gods. And when a god turns its back on you, even though it's not really doing that, let's say as an example, you come home with an art project, you're really excited about it. Your parents are having some financial stress. They're deep in an, and you know, a dialogue about that and you come and you show that and they ignore you that one moment Mm. that one moment can be enough to to change your whole perspective ah i'm not important Ah, my imagination is not important ah i'm not seen and that you know then what parents do with that is then they create this whole well great detour now I have to be hyper aware of how I act around my kids because I'm fucking them up. And that's not what I'm saying either. No, <laughs> you're going to fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do it right. <laughs> because you can't control how the kid perceives reality. Yeah. Good luck doing that. And it's what we all continue to do with each other. So this is back to that lion. I am more and more and more aspects of me realizing, you know what? I, I can't control how people perceive okay. And that's becoming more and more my truth. Well, I might as well let the lion out of the bag. Because no matter if I'm a lion or a pussycat, people are going to have their experiences of me. And I'm yeah. not everyone's going to like me. No. Well, and, and being a lion is, to me, it's more fun. I mean, you got to decide which one is more fun, right? I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's an easy decision. <laughs> it's definitely more entertaining that's yeah (laughs) yeah i think always being yourself is more fun anyway but uh yeah i i can totally relate also to what you said earlier about contorting and i'm sure many of the listeners can relate to that too Mm. um really changing ourselves for relationships or you know and um or, or for people that we're working for, you know, contorting and, and trying to say the right things, especially in this day and age, you know, like where uh, you're not in the States anymore, but, you know, things are getting kind of crazy right now. And you, we're, from where you came from in the San Francisco area, it's pretty crazy there as well as in Portland. And, uh, you know, I think that 
it's more important now than ever for us to get really clear on who, who we are, what our values are, what we really um, want to express within ourselves, and be, I mean, like, are you, like my coach said to me the other day, are you cool with you? You know, that's what it really comes down to. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you with you? You know? Um, yeah. And me too. And I think that just ask yourself that question. Cause if you are, then great. That's all that really matters is as long as, you know, I feel like you're being respectful. You're not being, you know, um, you're not being an asshole to people or whatever, you know, uh, within reason. I mean, maybe some people <laughs> might think you're an asshole, but, um, but you know, I so, think a lot of people think yeah. I'm an asshole. <laughs> Well, you can't really control that, Jator. <laughs> well, what I love about that is, uh, yeah, are you cool with you? I love that. And it's also, for me, it's been being learning to be more and more cool with myself. Because there's, I, I'm not cool 100% with myself. There's right. still aspects that I'm playing with. And I like those parts too. And for me, a part of that is um, because I cannot control how other people experience me. And as that actually resonates, not in my head, but in my heart, it's very different for me. It's a very different place to be. Yeah. As that actually fully resonates in me, in my body, in my heart, in more of who I really experience myself to be. I've become more and more and more and more okay with that people are going to shed. If I am, if I am a snake and I have skin and people that were in my life who I danced for or contorted myself for or didn't fully represent my truth my thoughts, uh, my perspectives, they will shed out of your life. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a place where a lot of people get stuck because a lot of people in my experience are very attached to other people seeing them in a certain light. And that shedding process can be exquisitely scary to our ego parts who need to fit in who need those people and who have fear about, okay, well, I just shed a whole lot of skin. One, who the hell am I now? Mm-hmm. And two, when are these new people going to come in my life that can fully accept the skin that I wear now? And I think people get really afraid of that piece. Yeah. And I've lost more friends uh, probably than I can count by representing myself and by speaking my truth and by being politically incorrect and by doing that respectfully through uh, communication that feels self-responsible and not blaming and shaming. And people will still leave. And that's okay. That bridge, though, for people to get to a place of being okay with shedding 90% of the people in your life, even some of your family, mm-hmm. not because out of you know, defiance or disrespect, but because it doesn't fit anymore with who you want to be and they can't accept who you are Man, that is a box that people will step right back into, lock themselves in and be like, you know what? F it. I'll let it express in me in different ways. Like you were saying earlier, that swallowed truth will express and manifest in its body in one way or another. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was, what I was thinking about when you were talking about shedding people, and I, th- I think it's threatening to people sometimes when you do kind of start expressing those other parts of yourself, it could be that way. And people may, you know, maybe it causes them to reflect them, 
themselves to back to them and say, okay, well, you know, I'm not doing that, but I see my friend doing that. And that's, you know, threatening to me because then I feel like what, you know, I'm not growing or whatever, you know? Mm. So I think also, um, we can't let, we have to also decide like if we're letting other people stifle our growth, right? And if you're living because other people uh, expect to see you in a certain way, or they're used to that, and that's not that's not serving you, you're not really. Um, again, you're kind of swallowing your truth in that in that situation. And so, oh, the other thing I was going to say about that is codependency. That's called a codependent relationship, right? So when we're when we're kind of, um, you know, we're not really taking ownership of the parts of ourself that uh, in within the relationship that we really need to be honest about, right? Oh, man, I love that. It, it brings me back to this, you know, this past relationship that I was in. And there was a moment, I think she's a beautiful, intelligent uh, woman. And there was a moment in that relationship where we were having a, a talk and we were talking about what was going on with us. And, and she said something to me that just popped in and around codependency. And she said, um, uh, who, who you presented yourself to be um, the first four years of this relationship isn't who you are. And of course, there's her rose-colored glasses, her projection, her infatuation of who she thought I was. Of course, that's true from the beginning, and of course, that happens both ways. But what was really profound about it in that moment for me was I looked at her and I said, you're right. You're 100% right. Because when I met you, <clears throat> I was more codependent than I am today and I was much more willing to contort and hide myself because I was so needy to be in a relationship with you and I was so needy to be seen by you as the best boyfriend that you ever had that I was willing to do everything I could at that time to give myself away to be in a relationship with you because that's how codependent I was. And so I said, I agree, you're right. I am changing because I'm learning how to represent myself maybe for the first time in my life in relationship with a woman. And I understand why you're angry. And I understand why you feel duped. And I understand why you feel tricked. And I understand why you don't want to be in this relationship anymore because I tricked you and you tricked yourself. I didn't say that piece because that's not my place to say that. That's coachy. Coachy. But I took ownership of my piece. Right, which, right. Which was, yeah, you're 100% right. I mm. did that. And for that, I apologize. Yeah. And if I was to do it over, I would. And that's where I'm at today. First dates with me are a whirlwind. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> 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 we're gonna ask some real questions right off the bat and then yeah, we're gonna we get down and dirty <laughs> right away <laughs> i bet i bet oh my gosh so much fun well you know i think that i think i think going into relationships uh and also in a dynamic way i think could be a good idea for people to look at it that way as we are always changing or always growing. You know, um, I'm definitely not the same person I was, uh, when I was in my twenties and I got married, you know, I'm such, there's a lot of growth that's happened and there's, uh, not many relationships. I think that, um, where people grow for a long time together. And I think, and that's okay. You know, we tend to want to, um, we tend to grow apart or want different things. And then um, we, we find other people who are then in line with the growth we're at that, at that point. Right. Mm. So, but I think it's, it's so important and that's so beautiful what you shared about, um, you know, just being honest, like, and not trying to be defensive about 
about that situation because it's it's very true. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, <laughs> it's a great lesson, right? <laughs> With our one expectations. Of, <laughs> one of the, I think, I, that wasn't enjoyable for me, um, at least for parts of me. Mm-hmm. And I think there's definitely parts of me that would have much rather defended that and go, oh, no, you're wrong and blah, blah, blah. But then like when I also really start to look throughout my life, I'm always, well, where the hell does that get me? Yeah. It just gets me more arguments, more hiding, more fear and shame. And because of that gap that we we're talking about, right, the, the shedding of the skin and being able to be okay with shedding and people leaving if you really start to get to that okay place, at least 80% of the time that you're okay with people leaving, that gives you so much courage to represent yourself. Yeah. And say things like, yeah, I was codependent and yep, I was hiding and yep, I was manipulative and yep, I'm changing because it's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really, Great place to be. It's like you kind of feel like you're in a void for a little bit, right? And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. <laughs> you find a light. Um, yeah, it, that's a so. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, relationships are just. Um, it's it's we're just learning so much from them about ourselves, right? And Great. oh my gosh, it's incredible. Well, I did want to touch upon one thing. I know we kind of got off. I mean, I just love our discussion so far, Jator. This has been really wonderful for me. Thank you for having me. It's always yeah. a honor. So I, I heard you talk about this on your Instagram video the other day about how our perception shapes our reality and our health. Basically, you're referring to the, the health of the person and uh, past, current, and future. And I've seen this a lot with people um, and how we can, I think you kind of touched upon this in the beginning about how, um, about self-criticism and how you started to reframe that for yourself and and then that perception of yourself uh, as that changed, your reality started changing, right? So this can also be true for our health and, and the stress that we're putting on our body. And I know with your new program that you're offering people, you're talking a lot about this. And I teach my clients this as well, um, how, you know, the stress that we're putting on ourselves, uh, whether it be emotional stress, whether it be, you know, the, what, what we just talked about with suppressing parts of yourself can be super stressful. It can take a lot of energy to do that, actually, more energy than it would be to just be yourself and to just let people have their own opinions of you, right? So, um, but like my point is, is this translates into your physiology and how well your body works and, and your digestion <laughs> and all of these things. So, if you maybe would like to expand on that and, and share with my audience what you teach your clients about that as well. Yeah, <clears throat> I'd love to. Um, yeah, I think a lot of, at least my perspective and, and my bias is I'm very into mental and emotional uh, work. And um, what I think is really fascinating about some of what you just shared and how that shows up in our physiology, even around these things that are uh, hidden, uh, unresolved, uh, background subconscious, uh, is that they very much so affect our physiology directly. And one of the best ways, at least for me, that I've I can give this technical explanation of how that happens, but one of the best ways that I think resonates most with people is that um, you have um, a trigger point, yeah? And um, most people don't know they have trigger points. They don't know that they have trigger points until they put a foam roll on it Mm. or they go to a massage therapist. Okay, so that represents the subconscious pain that is there all the time, you just don't know it's there. Okay, now then we look at the physiology of a trigger point, well, interesting. Trigger points don't get as much cellular respiration, Mm. they don't get as much nutrition, 
they don't move out as much metabolic waste. The pain's there because there's an issue in stagnant energy, as well as, interestingly enough, trigger points also affect uh, joint mechanics because they affect length tension of musculature. Huh, they affect joint mechanics. Great, that means they affect posture, they affect movement, they affect how you feel, they affect how you feel in your body. Okay, so rewind all that. That all goes back to a trigger point mm -hmm. that you don't know is there, yet is continuously affecting your musculoskeletal system. And the foam roll, now we get to kind of the mental and emotional perspective, the foam roll or the massage therapist, that represents um, the people in your life or the situations in your life that are triggering, interesting, trigger point and triggering, that are triggering to you. So in your life, you have people that are triggering or you deem them so. I love when people say they have negative energy. I'm like, yeah, maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Maybe that's you. Interesting. But they're your trigger point rubbing on your unresolved mental and emotional trigger points that interestingly now, those unresolved mental and emotional trigger points like you gave voice to cost a lot of energy. So they cost energy, which means that they're stressful on the body. We all live in a very stressful environment already, just based on our physiology. Uh, we're living in an environment that's mis mismatched with our physiology. It just doesn't match up, okay? So we have lots of stressors going on. On top of this unresolved trauma or unresolved issue, and that stimulates and causes dysfunction in the hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenal, thyroid, gonadal access. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's pretty interesting. Then that disrupts the gut through the vagus nerve, the gut becomes disrupted, that starts to cause a disrupted microbiome, that starts to cause inflammation in your gut, that starts to lead to GI inflammation and mm. gut hyperpermeability, that starts to lead to oral intolerance going down, autoimmune issues going up, food antigens getting in, heavy metals getting in, parasites, fungus, your own bacteria translocating into general circulation. Let's just say that's a shit show. <laughs> your immune system starts to then react with what's going on there. Mm -hmm. You're now in a stressed reactive state. That chronic stress is releasing more cortisol. Your body slowly becomes cortisol resistant, so you can't tune down uh, inflammation. Right. That leads to inflammation, more inflammation in your gut more inflammation in your lungs. Then it starts to break down the blood-brain barrier. You start to get inflammation in your brain. Then <laughs> <laughs> your organ and glandular system is inflamed, which is the roots and, the, and what your musculoskeletal system outgrows from. And your stabilizer mechanisms in your body can't stabilize as well because of that low-grade inflammation the body deems inflammation as needing space to heal, mm. so it relaxes stability. Then you have people doing all this movement and all this stuff on inflamed, um, unstable bodies with faulty joint mechanics, bad posture, bad respiration. Right, all yeah. Because <laughs> they got unresolved. No connection. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. In their heart, in their head, they're not connecting the two. And they think, oh, well, that's all BS. Well, good luck with that because it is a physiological fact that trigger points change musculoskeletal system. And those are things that you cannot feel and you don't know are there. Yeah. Drop the mic. That was amazing. Oh, my God. Well, thank you, Jator. Um, quickly, I know you got to go, but can you just leave everybody with your information on how to contact you? And you have a new program called Restore 60 that's coming out or out right now that you can people can sign up for. It's out right now. It starts September 10th. Restore60.com. It is the fastest and quickest deep dive into your heart, mind, gut, reducing inflammation, uh, 
in eight weeks, you can dive into what I just talked about. Yes, we dive into nutrition. Yes, we dive into lifestyle. Yes, we dive into gut healing. Yes, we dive into reducing inflammation. But we also dive into all of the undercurrents emotionally. What do those things represent to us? Where do they come from? What do they mean to us? How do we process them? Why do we self-sabotage? Why are we afraid of change? Why are we more afraid of being different? So that's all in there. Um, it's my baby. It's my heart. It's what I've learned over 20 years of coaching people. What are the big pillars that we can pull to create the most amount of change in the shortest period of time? Because everybody wants it so fast. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Isn't so, so that the thanks truth? To the group. I coach live one-on-one -on -one with volunteers throughout the group, which is super fun for me and also super scary. <laughs> and uh, wehlc.com is my website. Uh, Explore with your tour on Instagram, Explore with your tour on YouTube, and I'm also on Facebook. And super honored to be here. Love you very much, sister. And I love you too. All right, Jator. It was. It's been a. Yes, it's been a pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. And I texted you already. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> See, ya. See ya. Bye. Bye. <laughs>